0: listening to the Teen Wolf, Rewolf. Wolf. Hey, what's up? What's up? Whew, I had a weird day. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you.
1: Frankly, I think everybody had a weird day, but probably not as weird as yours. Mine was
0: strange. I did almost witness a murder. <laughs> or rather, I witnessed an almost murder.
1: An altercation, if you will.
0: Yes, there was threats made. Uh, uh, there was perhaps a gun <laughs> on the premises, possibly, perhaps, yeah. But you
1: know what? That's just Chicago. I was uh, I was at the lake the other day and uh, watching people like go by on the lakefront, and there was a man on an extremely tall bike,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like like an ex. Not like where the wheel was big, but like the seat of the bike was. Mm-hmm. Maybe would reach the first floor windows here.
0: Okay, what I am picturing though is those old timey bikes with a really big front wheel and a really tiny back one. I don't
1: want to ruin that for you, but it, it was just a, a, a tall, tall bike. bike.
0: Okay, the tall bike sounds way better than the um, altercation I witnessed. The uh, best part the Chicago uh, station today
1: was that there was a slightly smaller tall bike. Right after that guy.
0: Oh, good. They're like a family. Oh, okay. I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's good if you have like a hobby that unites your family, you know? Yeah. That isn't like,
1: they might. They might also just be friends. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But you know those families who like run 5Ks on holidays? Uh, (laughs) uh, Oh my God. If you're one of those families, (laughs) and if you're in one of those families against your will, I'm so sorry. It could not be me. It could not be me, truly. Mm -mm. And I actually kind of like running, but could you imagine waking up on Thanksgiving and being like, Time to go.
1: I would, like, bring a donut and just walk. Yeah. 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 And especially because most of them happen at, like, 7 a.m. So people can go home and cook Thanksgiving. No.
0: Does that happen in other countries? I assume it happens in Canada. That's just America part two. Thanksgiving? But, like, does that? No. Thanksgiving, no. (laughs) 5Ks on holidays. (laughs) I fucking know that Thanksgiving is a North American invention.
1: You know, I actually, I feel like I know a lot about uh, racing culture and, like, running culture in the U.S. Uh-huh. I'd be interested in in hearing friends who live in other countries. We
0: know you're out there.
1: Uh, do you guys have 5Ks?
0: I'm sure they have 5Ks, yeah. but do you have, do you do them on, like, holidays, or is that just, like, American nonsense? <laughs> America is simultaneously the laziest country in the, in the world, I will say, in the United States. <laughs>
1: Going back to my point from last episode about how the United States is too big and should be multiple countries.
0: Yeah, but we're both the laziest country in the world while also doing too much. Like waking up on a holiday to be like, I'm going to go for a race. That's
1: why collectively as a society, we're not really that productive.
0: Nope. 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 We're not. Yeah. <laughs> people, people, especially downtown, are like, I'm busy. And you're like, doing what? And they're like, being busy. <laughs> <laughs> It is a
1: personality trait of a lot of people that they're just busy. Busy, I
0: know. But that said, if you want something done, ask a busy person. The person who's got nothing going on will never do it for you.
1: No, but the busy person will complain to you the whole time about how busy they are.
0: God, I'm just so busy.
1: Like, I don't know. There's a pandemic. We're supposed
0: to be in quarantine. How fucking busy are you?
1: Yeah, um, folks, if you are not in quarantine, I don't know what your situation is, but if you're in the US, just stay in your house.
0: (laughs) I'm listening are like, how did we get from an almost murder to quarantine? Well, that's the Teen Wolf Free Wolf. Ooh, by the way, you're listening to the Teen Wolf Free Wolf podcast, a podcast where we talk about Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia, and today we're talking about a very special episode of Teen Wolf, mostly known because it is the episode before Motel California, but it's still good.
1: Yes, uh, that would be season three, episode five, Frayed.
0: Why? Why is it called that?
1: Uh, I think because everybody's reaching their breaking points.
0: Maybe. I was thinking it's like Scott McCall's frayed skin.
1: (laughs) My my frayed nerves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this episode was written by Angela Harvey, a woman. (gasps) Yes, queen. Which is why it's good. um, And directed by Robert Hall, who, as far as I can tell, is mostly uh, a makeup artist and has directed... A few small horror films and two episodes of Teen Wolf and something called Chrome Skull Laid to Rest 2.
0: That sounds like a video game. So if it's a movie, cool. It is. It's a sequel to
1: the wildly popular movie I've never heard of called Laid to Rest
0: (laughs) 1, presumably. Video games have sequels, though. No, it is... I'm I don't want to look it up. I don't well, want to look sounds, it up. You, you, know, know, you know, there's like Red Dead, but then there's like Red Dead 2 Redemption yes, or whatever? Yeah, I, I it am aware. Yeah.
1: Like Resident Evil, also a video game and movies, and there are sequels.
0: I, you know what I've always thought? Why mm-hmm. have they never made a movie of Zelda? Wouldn't you watch it? They made the TV show, which I loved. Wouldn't you watch like a feature film of Zelda? Yes, I would. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, I would. I'd never, I've never played it, but when I was in second grade. That was a highly popular uh, recess activity, it was like acting out. Zelda? Zelda.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about it, but I was like, mm, Zelda, princess, I'm in.
0: I have, a, I have, I have a, a DS, and I only own Zelda games for it, because it was just like my big like weird video game obsession in high school. I love that. Yeah, and me and my friend Elle in college used to like plan out days where we'd be like, we're going to act like dudes today, and we just drink a beer and play video games, but we'd only ever play <laughs> Zelda. We played our way through Twilight Princess and through Scarred Sword, which was fun. Love that. Yeah. Okay, wait, sorry, Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. <laughs> I was just kind of excited. I got really excited to talk about Zelda. Um, yeah, this is a, a, a kind of an iconic episode, so much so that people in the Facebook group, which housekeeping. Guys, we have a Facebook group. You're free to join it. It's an open group. It's just called Teen Wolf, Free Wolf Podcast. Go ahead. Um, We're talking about how excited they were to hear about this episode. Um, Uh,
1: Especially because this back-to-back with Motel California is so uh, emotionally rich and devastating is a really strong word to use, but it uh, it plays on your emotions.
0: You know, I will say... um, that this is an episode we where we are dealing with sort of like loss <laughs> we are dealing with loss on a sort of uh, on both ends of the spectrum and that is interesting to see like where it's affecting ethan how it's affecting scott how they're really unsure of what's going to go on forward um and just how unsure everybody is and where that leaves them emotionally. So our theme for this episode is panic. Before we start discussing it, we do, unfortunately, have to do our 60-second recap.
1: Yes, and today, Christian is going first, which I know that she's so excited
0: about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's going to be great. Are you ready? No, can I get like a 15-second handicap for being blind? No. Dude. <laughs> I'll, I'll I gotta you tell that. you, Teen Wolf's way harder to watch when you can't see anything. Got my right. eyes dilated, so I'm, like, give <laughs> really you squinting. Eight but. extra seconds. Eight extra seconds? Yeah. I'll take it. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so they're on the bus, and Isaac and Boyd are freaking out, and then it cuts to Scott and Styles, who are also freaking out, and then... Scott is like Derek is dead, and then we realize that Allison. Uh, or then there's this flashback between Allison and Scott, and he's like, "Stop intervening! I don't want you to get hurt." And she's like, "I can take care of myself." And there's this like really sexy sparring moment, and then he dips because it's like getting too real. Um, and then uh, Scott walks into Peter and Derek uh, scheming with Cora to go after Deucalion and then um, like there's this kid on the bus named Jared who is just about to lose his cookies and then Scott's not healing from the injuries in the fight that we're going to see a bunch of flashbacks of and then we find out that Allison and Lydia are just like in the car following the bus um, and Allison is worried about Lydia and Aiden because she knows that he is one of the alphas and there's this major traffic jam And then Boyd starts freaking out, and Scott stops him from attacking Ethan, and then there's a flashback of Scott meeting Deucalion in an elevator, and Deucalion's like, meet me alone, and we'll figure this out, or whatever. And then Cora and Peter are looking for, like, Derek's body, and, uh, Scott, Styles harasses Danny to find out what Ethan's so worried about, and it turns out that Ennis is also dead, or maybe not, I don't know. Uh, Styles calls Lydia and is like, we know you're here, F, man.
1: This is a long one. Was that
0: with the eight-second handicap? Yeah, it was.
1: Damn.
0: Well, not only is it long, it's also not in chronological um, chronolo- order. Well, it's not only not not in chrono- chronological order, chronological, I can say things, uh, the flashbacks don't even go chronologically, which is frustrating. No. Um, Greta
1: Gerwig stole her concept for Little Women from this episode of Teen Wolf. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs>
0: Let's see if I can- That is true film <laughs> blasphemy. I'm sure we're going to have somebody on film Twitter like, being like, how, how dare you? you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had
1: a long talk about Little Women this weekend, so it's it's on the brain. We love you, Greta. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: are you ready to do your recap? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so- No. Ready? Oh my God, you said okay. I said okay as in, okay, you're ready. One, two- <laughs> Three.
1: Okay, so uh, everybody's on the bus to go to a cross-country meet and there's just some tense parties. Uh, Isaac and Boyd are not happy and uh, Aiden is mm, Ethan is sitting with Danny. Styles and Scott are at the back of the bus talking about uh, how Scott is wounded and uh, Derek is dead and then uh, all of a sudden we see that Allison and Lydia are following the bus and then we flash back to Allison's room and she has this conversation with Scott um, where they're basically like, don't get involved, I want to get involved, sexy time. Um, and then De- uh, hmm, Scott goes to Derek's place to tell him that he ran into Ducalian in the elevator. And Derek's like, yeah, I know we're going to go, go after him. And, De- and Scott's like, that's a bad idea. So then we go back to the bus, um, and tensions are rising. Stiles is trying to figure out why Ethan keeps checking his phone. Um, and we kind of, there's some flashbacks. We find out that both Derek and Ennis fell to the bottom of some sort of escalator shaft. Um, they're not sure which one is dead or not. Mm-hmm-hmm. I literally can't remember what happens next. Nope. At some point, they it's go... Okay, cause it it's okay, because it stopped anyway. You were okay. out of time. Um, no, I there's so much. The, they go to... Uh, the Alpha Pack brings Ennis to Deaton. Yeah. That's a part we did not mention.
0: No. Um, essentially, what happens after where we sort of both left off is that, yes, we find out that the Alpha Pack does bring Ennis's body to Deaton to try to revive him, and Morell is like, if you do not help him, the Alpha Pack will kill your pack. Specifically Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, Stiles has this like whistle scene with a coach and then makes Jared throw up so that the coach is forced to pull over and Allison and Lydia can come and actually help Scott. And Allison has this crazy sort of flashback scene, not a flashback scene, but like hallucinations of her mother while she's trying to stitch Scott's body back together. And after she does it, he's able to wake up and like his body starts healing because it thinks it's healing. Um, then we see Isaac beating the shit out of Ethan, almost unprompted, and then Scott, like, asserts his alpha powers over him, but then we get a flashback back to the fight, and we see that his eyes turn red, which mm-hmm.
1: is dun, dun, crazy. Dun,
0: dun. Um Back on the bus, Allison and Lydia and, I mean, Styles and Lydia and Allison and Scott sort of discuss what they do moving forward. Um... And then at the end, Derek shows up bloody and disgusting, bloody handprint on, on Jennifer's car.
1: On Jennifer's car, also, also, Ducalian comes in and kills Ennis.
0: Oh, that's that's true. That that also does happen. Yeah, I mean, I believe you. <laughs>
1: you, you were there also. I
0: was there watching it, but mm-hmm. again, I really can't see all that much. So yeah. Um,
1: um, it's very if you watch uh, Teen Wolf on Amazon Prime and you pause for a moment when Ennis is on screen and the the actors names come up and it says Ennis parentheses an alpha.
0: Well, I didn't know his name for the first like <laughs> time I watched the show, so to have somebody explain who Ennis was that was nice. Actually. Very helpful. Yeah. Um, so we are talking about panic, um, which is the Underlying tone of this whole episode, I think in most part because the sort of like present day plot of the episode does take place almost entirely on the bus. It's a bottle episode, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, because all of the action otherwise is taking place in flashbacks. And what that really does is deliver to you um, a space in which all of the characters are helpless to do anything. Isaac and Boyd can't do anything about Ethan. Scott can't do anything about Derek. Styles can't do anything about Scott. Allison and Lydia can't do anything about anybody because they're all stuck in one place, which just sort of ends up creating this bubbling sense of anxiety, which spills over in lots of different ways. So where do you want to start talking about panic?
1: Hmm. Let's see. Um, I think perhaps we should start with the fight because it's the thing that we keep coming back to in the
0: flashbacks. Yeah, it sucked. Well, it, the fight sucked. Um, directing but... bad, choreography bad, lighting bad. Terrible. Slow motion. Why was it all in slow mo? How much how much less time would this episode take up if none of the fight scenes were in slow motion?
1: Well, and it was so weird like the mix of close-ups and wide shots that were not that were too wide or like too, it was just not great. But the the reason for the fight and the eventual demise of these two characters um is Derek's panic over Deucalion. And he thinks that he can control it through killing Deucalion, which seems suspect.
0: Highly suspect. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I think that that's interesting though, because I do think that that is a symptom of, of panic. Like Mm -hmm. Derek is so worried and has seen so many changes already enacted by the Alpha pack in his universe that he's acting really rashly. Like he doesn't, have a real plan, so his only plan is like, Well, if we kill Deucalion, that's fine, like, we're cutting the head off the snake. But as Peter graciously reminds us, it's actually a hydra, and more heads would grow back if you mm-hmm. know the Herculean stories or have ever watched a Marvel movie.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Peter, as usual, is right.
0: I wouldn't say he's right,
1: no, but usually. he's no, not usually, but all he. Uh, is trying to caution them against making this move. Yeah. Unsuccessfully.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because a panic on Derek's part is what leads to his supposed demise. Um, but in a similar vein, it also leads Scott to making very rash decisions. Um, he thinks that if he goes and faces Deucalion alone, he's going to save... Everyone. And I don't think that that's like a martyrdom thing. Um, I do think that he's like, well, if I'm the only one who gets hurt, like if I'm the only one who deals with Deucalion, like that's fine. Um, which is also another panic decision. Like nobody is operating within like terms of the group, mm-hmm. except for Isaac. Who's <laughs> like, we're on a team now, buddy.
1: Ride or die. Ride or die. Uh, yeah. I think Scott's decision to go and try and talk to Deucalion by himself with Isaac tagging along um, is kind of his hail Mary like I don't think that Scott has a plan beyond that if it fails he probably would help Derek try to go after him but this is like his final final attempt to reason with him and I think if Scott sat down and thought for a minute he would realize that that was impossible mm-hmm. but he doesn't
0: so it seems like we're kind of sticking to Scott right now and I sure yeah and yeah I think I think Scott isn't Scott knows that he can't reason with Derek or Peter out of trying to attack Deucalion. He's already tried. Um, he now is at the point where he's worried that he can no longer like reason with Boyd and Isaac, as you see on the bus. And at this point, because he is so isolated because he realizes that he's not going to be able to sway anybody in any particular direction because of the fear that the alpha pack has instilled in his pack. Um, It is a panic decision to go talk to Deucalion, but it is also, in his mind, the only one he can make.
1: And it's interesting because Scott, I think, has a really good grasp on who his allies are and who he can trust and who he can go to. And I think it's very telling that when uh, he gets this information from Derek that he doesn't go to Deaton, he doesn't go to Styles, he doesn't go to literally anybody else who could help walk him through the process he just decides that what he thinks is best
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and then it, it it is by isaac's own sort of um Isaac's own um, understanding that, like, Scott is somebody who would do things on his own, that he does come in and is like, well, I, I'll go with you. I'm going to go with you. And he, they have the whole sort of, like, the, I love Mexican food scene, which is kind of sweet. But Isaac makes clear, he's like, you're not, you don't get to do things alone. Mm-hmm. Not when I'm here, um, which is great. And it's funny that Scott's panic decision is ultimately what ends up manifesting the panic he experiences in the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, which is a pervasive feeling of guilt in thinking that Derek is dead and not having any way to move forward, which ultimately is the reason why he's not healing from his wounds from that battle, because he is taking on so much of the blame, um, so that his body will not physically not let him resume life after that. Uh, which is, you know, kind of, the base of a panic attack. Like you are experiencing so much all at once, you shut down, which is exactly what is happening to Scott on a sort of werewolf level, right?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that the person
0: panicking the least in this episode is Styles. I know. Uh, because that's not typical for no. him. No, it's not. But I think when Scott is in peril, Styles rises to the occasion. Was that one siren or two? I believe two. I have counted
1: two. Cool. For those of you counting along at home. <laughs> I
0: hope you're not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think, and I also think Styles' own investment in sort of the other happenings of Beacon Hills, because we know that he is far more interested in the Dirac than the Alpha Pack from last episode, mm-hmm. is keeping him from being too um, available to the problems that are occurring from the alpha pack especially because he has not been threatened by them yet directly yeah that's one of the
1: more interesting things about this season i think is that uh styles has something completely different to focus on because i feel previously he was so invested in learning about like oh how do we use mountain ash and the bullets and the wolfsbane and like at one point in this episode he's like what am i like a genius what i have a phd in lycanthropy he's so divorced from like the werewolf aspect of the show. I don't know if he's
0: divorced of it so much as he's so comfortable with it. He's able to resume sort of his other interests or his other preoccupations. It's not really an interest in the rock. He's terrified of it.
1: No, I mean, he's not like completely gone away from it, but it is less of a focus for Mm -hmm.
0: him. Yeah, but you're right. His panic though is a little bit about the alpha pack too, though his sort of major, like moving on styles, his, Mm -hmm sort of thing that he's panicking over is what is one, his uh, Ethan's relationship with Danny and two what is it that Ethan is worried about because styles now, because of this has to be more invested in the alpha pack because he knows that that is what is ailing Scott. Um, and he also is noticing that Ethan is similarly disturbed. Ethan is experiencing his own panic because he knows that M- uh, uh, Ennis is, is on death's door basically, uh, but he doesn't know that he has to find that out through Danny, which does make him act rashly, but not any stranger than Styles usually behaves, especially <laughs> towards Danny, who I think loves Styles in his own way. Um, it's a mutual
1: adoration society, possibly a bit stronger on Styles' front.
0: Yeah, I do think that Danny <laughs> likes Styles more than Styles likes Danny, but Danny's like, I hate you, Styles. You're <laughs> yeah. so great. Um, yeah, I mean, Styles's panic, you're right, is a lot less severe.
1: Well, I think he's the only person who realizes how intense these two threats are. And I think he's beginning to get an inkling of how they're going to interact with each other. Um, like, he's trying to put the pieces together. I think he knows that there's a connection to be made between the two of them, but he hasn't gotten there yet. Um,
0: I'd say that's true. So he, uh, this is a puzzle. Yeah, he's, he's sheriffing this one. He's got a murder board. He's yeah. trying to figure out what the pattern is. Per usual. Yeah. Good for him. Um, sticking with people on the bus, I want to talk about Isaac and Boyd. Oh, they're
1: having such a rough day.
0: Truly a bad day. This is coming from somebody who had such a bad day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, at one point on the bus, Boyd is kind of losing it like from the beginning of the episode. Uh, we see at one point that uh, his claws have come out, his eyes shift. It's actually a really beautiful uh, lighting moment. His eyes look great.
0: Sinker Walls is a beautiful, He's beautiful man. So does not gorgeous. look 17. <laughs> it,
1: that's actually painfully obvious in this episode how few of these people are teenagers or even close to teenagerhood.
0: Teenage? Yeah, I, I mentioned like Crystal Reed looks great. She looks in her 20s. Yes, she does. That is a big siren. I feel like the sirens today are making up for the lack of sirens in the last episode, or people are lighting stuff on fire.
1: Well, we did have a big storm yesterday, so... You're
0: right. There might
1: be some residual issues.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um,
1: we're fine, though.
0: We are. We're people, good. <laughs> people kept texting me today, and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, the riots were downtown. <laughs> and then they were like, I meant the tornado, and I was like... Oh, that too.
1: <laughs> my grandparents called me and we had just talked the other day and I was like, oh my God, is, is everybody okay? And they were like, oh, we just heard about the storm. We talked for f- a minute and then they hung up. Yep. So right like, on. I'm, I'm alive. You could text me. Um, yeah. So on the bus at the beginning of the episode, Boyd is about to kind of jump out of his chair and attack Ethan on the bus, which would be crazy uh, because they're on an enclosed space and Scott comes to calm him down and then later on in the episode when they're stopped at the rest up and Scott comes out of the bathroom you see that someone's beating up Ethan and it's Isaac
0: that which is interesting yeah I I don't know how I don't know if I agree with that I don't know if I like that choice I think what that was more meant to do was to demonstrate that like Because Boyd um, has an untimely demise in this season, oh my god, Teen Wolf, that is so bad. Guys. Oh god. Guys. Why'd they do that? Uh, I think it is meant to sort of be a demonstration of allegiances to show Mm -hmm. that Isaac is Scott's beta. Um, But it's very
1: interesting because the whole reason that he would be beating Ethan up in the first place is over Derek.
0: That's true. And that's, <laughs> and that's why, that's why, I mean, obviously Erica is a huge part of why Boyd is so riled up. And I think Boyd is, I think with the sort of supposed loss of Derek, Boyd is now like, I have no one. Cause it's not like he's ever really been part of Scott's pack. Mm-hmm. He was part of Derek's pack. And then his best friend was Erica and now he really is on his own. So his panic is sort of so much more outward and Isaac's is more subdued. And I don't necessarily know if that's just a part of Isaac's personality that Isaac would just let it sort of fester. And I think that's what does happen. Mm -hmm. I think Isaac absorbs so much of Boyd's panic in trying to calm him down that by the time they get off the bus, it's like bubbling over.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, a decent assessment of, of what happened. Um, I also kind of noticed in this episode that uh, Isaac has seemed a lot softer in this season. Just in the way that he interacts with Scott, it's less... With Boyd, too. With Boyd, too. Um, And, you know, thinking back to his introduction in season two, he's really cocky and kind of snarky. And he's got this delicious sarcastic grin it's just so good daniel sherman um it's so good you. but he gets he gets a lot softer in the beginning of this season and i and i noticed kind of when he and scott walk into uh the abandoned parking structure mall that they're it finding. does look like a mall there's
0: an escalator like
1: yeah um yeah why would there be an escalator in a parking structure it looks like a mall
0: um nothing this is america like an abandoned mall in california true uh
1: yeah, he's got he's got
0: that kind of swagger back, and I think
1: one, it's the leather jacket, but two, um it's his anxiety and that panic manifesting uh, in a much harsher exterior of his personality.
0: Yeah, I mean I also think that Isaac acts softly when people act softly towards him. Sure. He has no reason to be harsh towards Scott, who is like one of the few people who treats him with humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the fight at the truck stop I think we should talk about Allison because she has one of my favorite moments in this episode let alone moments of panic Um, I mean Isaac we were just talking about him Allison spends this entire episode panicking um, and making bad decisions because she knows Scott is hurt and she Mm -hmm. was there to witness the fight and she knows that Derek is maybe dead he's not but they don't know that and her panic is f- comes to full fruition in at the truck stop because she realizes that Scott is far more hurt than she has any idea. She's basically stalking him to the track meet just to make sure he's okay. She has no idea what's going on with him physically until it's shown to her when they stop. And the scene where she stitches up that wound is mm. flippin heartbreaking. I actually think, and I'm wondering, um, your opinion on this. I do think it would be more fulfilling if she wasn't having those flashbacks of her mother. I know why they did it because it's very new to her to be, um, very new to be thinking about her mother in a different way than she had been because she's only just found out that her mom tried to kill Scott, all of that. Um, but I, I wish that that had been, I wish that that had come to her organically even if it was like thoughts manifesting from like the way her mom spoke to her or whatever. I thought that the sort of, um, figment of her imagination was a little bit campy.
1: I agree with you that it's a little bit campy. I don't, uh, dislike it so much because they had introduced that in another episode. And I can't remember which one. Um, uh, when Allison is asleep in French class and her mom's the one that wakes her up. um, so she, it's not like these hallucinations are new necessarily, but like earlier in the scene, she says, my dad taught me how to do this. And I think it, it might've been more effective to like have her, ha- like to see her thought process of thinking, Oh, this is the step that you go through. And like, I do wonder how the frustration, which is part of what makes the scene so good would have played out if the hallucination had not been there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't, I don't think it's a bad vehicle for storytelling, but I I think that uh, Crystal Reed's performance in that particular scene was strong enough to stand on its own. That's
0: what I was going to say. I think yeah. like, in terms of like watching an actor act, it would have been so much more interesting if it was all happening internally.
1: Yeah. Uh, um,
0: that said, I did make a note. I was like, Crystal Reed, she killed it in that scene. It's really interesting. Um, and I just, I, I find that to be a really good sort of tie back to what's happening in the beginning of the episode where it's like very clear that Scott and Allison are always going to have feelings for each other and not know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, she does not know what to do with those feelings because she knows that if she fails, it will be all the more worse. Um, and it's not like Scott's life would be on her hands, but she will feel as though she couldn't do anything. Um, and that I find really interesting. And another thing I find interesting is that in the flashbacks, Allison seems to be least panicked. She seems to be the person who knows what they're going to be doing the most. She just says with so much conviction to her dad, I'm going to go help. I need my friends. Da da, da, da da And does this. It is the aftermath of this fight that causes her to panic.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of this season has been her trying to figure out what her place is in the pack now that she and Scott are no longer dating because it's clear that she feels a responsibility to those people, um, you know, and she calls them friends, but they are her family, like they are her pack. And mm-hmm. she knows that she wants to be involved, but I think she has an understanding that that's painful for Scott. Uh, and she has an understanding that she doesn't have the role that she once did. And so I think in this episode, she's really finding her footing on how to interact. Uh, with them and also how best to support Scott. Like there's a, uh, there's a moment at the end of the episode where he's like, thank you for not listening to me when I told you to stay away. Um, because she had that clarity of mind to go. Yeah. She's the only one who's not panicking at the beginning of the episode. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, And then she starts to lose it.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, it's interesting on quick, you know, side note to Allison, I would like to talk about Lydia, hmm. who, like Styles, seems to be the sort of rock of this episode. Like, she obviously, like, this is not an astute <laughs> observation. Like, Lydia is the Styles to Allison Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, and she spends a lot of the episode trying to calm Allison down, trying to be rational about things, reminding her that she should get gas uh, if she's running on fumes on the highway.
1: Lydia could have said something a little L- before li- that. A little earlier.
0: I feel like if you notice it's on E and you haven't said anything. If you haven't said anything before it's on E, you're a bad friend.
1: Also, in most cars, once you hit like 50 miles, there's like a little ding.
0: Yeah, it'll tell you. Yeah
1: you get alerted there's a light that goes on And it's on your not dashboard. like it's
0: not like she's driving a 99 Toyota Corolla like she's driving a new car.
1: <laughs> yeah, my my garbage car makes that sound sound. Um
0: I love your garbage yeah. car. My
1: garbage car, her name is Susie. She's the best car in the world. Um yeah, Lydia Unfortunately, one of Lydia's main role in this episode is to make observations. Uh, like to tell Allison that her fuel is getting low, or women be noticing things. <laughs> women be noticing things. I mean, Lydia is incredibly valued by her friends for her knowledge, and it's incredibly helpful when they go into the uh, bathroom and she's like, "It's, sofa somatic, whatever she said, not psychosomatic,
0: but there's a different word, but it's exactly what you think psychosomatic means." So yeah, so
1: there was no point cool. in correcting Styles really. Um, so she's kind of there to provide one the diagnosis and two the sewing kit because she pulls it out of her
0: purse she does well it's interesting to me how in that face of panic how everybody is so so stricken and has no idea what to do i mean scott's kind of dying so he's like not really paying attention Mm -hmm. but like allison and styles are both losing it trying to figure out what's happening and lydia is just kind of like well if you paid attention. <laughs> because when you are panicking, of course you're not paying attention. You don't pay attention to anything. That's why you make such stupid decisions. And it's really important that she's there to be the opposite of panic in that moment.
1: It's kind of a um, a callback to the first bottle episode where she's the one who's like, let's make a self-igniting Molotov cocktail uh, in the science lab.
0: I often wish uh, Teen Wolf had like a true bottle app. Yeah. Um. The
1: flashbacks are what uh, kills that dream for this particular episode. Well, it's
0: also just that, like, if the flashbacks weren't as ridiculous as they were, it would still feel like a bottle episode. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, all in slow ma- slow motion and in, like, a blue filter. And I'm like, this is dumb.
1: Like, a blue filter, and it's slightly gauzy. It's very weird.
0: Yeah. And it's, like, slow motion fighting. It's not, like... It's not, like, plots happening.
1: <laughs> no, and it, it, it just is so so strange there's no real gravitas to the fight yeah uh and that is honestly one of the things that Teen Wolf gets so right so much of the time is like the physical danger that people are in and the physical stakes of being in a fight and getting clawed in the face and there feels like this certain amount of detachment in those scenes where you're not getting the full impact of what's happening. And even when uh, Derek and Ennis fall presumably to their deaths, it's not as emotionally affecting as we want it to be.
0: I do think it's a, a gross mismanagement of using the slow motion because when you are in slow motion, you don't get to feel the impact of a hit. You do not hear the sound effect. You do not see the body move as it would when it is hit. That's like why the kind of great thing about seeing like live stage combat is is even if you know the punch isn't making contact or you even see it it's the sound and the reaction at the same time which make you sort of gasp and like jump back mm-hmm. and when you've eliminated that it just sort of looks like water ballet
1: and not in a good
0: way no but it, I'm, i i don't think it you can't use it i think the time to use it would be the fall but oh, I don't mm-hmm. want to see it until that moment. It's unearned throughout the uh, full beginning of it.
1: You know what would have made that scene 10 times
0: better? Huh. Some water. Yeah, where is Russell Mulcahy? <laughs> when you need him. <laughs> I was like, it is funny how much I missed him and Tim Andrew, mm-hmm. like in this episode. Yeah, because... Uh,
1: the camera mm-hmm. angles,
0: whack. The lighting, whack. The, like The
1: color palette throughout the entire episode and not just the flashbacks. Weird weird and teen wolf is i mean it's just like it's an action show it's a it's a teen show or whatever but i do think that they did a great job of building up like a visual language that we would expect and understand Mm -hmm. um and like there's there's a couple of weird angles where it like starts out tilted and then it comes right up and and you're just like i
0: is it's like some discount sherlock well it's also just like okay too much art Yeah. Too much art. Sorry. It's Sometimes the words and the actors need to speak for themselves. And
1: they do... They
0: generally do a pretty good job. Yeah. So
1: let them do their job. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Do we have anybody else we need to discuss? I feel like we should maybe throw in a last little bit like Peter Cora situation.
1: Yeah. They
0: are panicked. To the point of becoming um, acquaintances. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I actually... Oh, we also learned that Cora is 17. Which was... a
1: a question we had in the last yeah.
0: episode. I Which means you... she's 8 years younger than Derek.
1: Yeah, it's a big gap. Yeah. So
0: I can't do math. I think we also decided that Derek was 25, <laughs> maybe he's not, but I think he is.
1: But the, it's been like t- a year and a half mm-hmm. since uh, since Scott was bitten. I kind of wonder and this isn't necessarily m- maybe it is a question, but um I I don't know that I would call Peter panicked I think he doesn't know what to do but I think he's incredibly calm most of the time because he's a sociopath he's a sociopath and also Peter is the kind of guy who likely walks out pretty much every scenario in his head and tries to stay two or three steps ahead of everybody else
0: yeah Peter went into that fight knowing that if anybody was going to die it was probably going to be Derek
1: yeah and so now he's trying to figure out where do we go from here yeah
0: because I think Peter is smart enough to be like, Derek is no, is not of any real value to the Alpha Pack, but he's been watching Scott. He knows, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what he is trying to do is figure out what happened to Derek, where the body is, whether or not the Alphas took him, and it just so happens that Cora is there freaking out because of course she is because the one piece of stability that Cora thought she could place into her life was Derek being alive and being an alpha is now being ripped out from under her, which brings them to the animal hospital, which Peter says he can't get in, but we know he can. I think he's just lying to her or the team of writers don't remember. Both things could be true. You're right. They
1: are are equally plausible explanations,
0: (laughs) Um, but it is interesting for her For him to be like, I'm still your family. I'll take care of you. And she's like, you killed my sister. And he's like, yeah, but your brother killed me. So there's no weighing of morals in the Hale House.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting that um, Peter's response wasn't, I'm so sorry. It was, well, Derek killed me.
0: I, I, I It sounds on brand. It,
1: re- it really does. But also,
0: everything we know about Cora is, I don't know if she would respond to an I'm sorry. She's a no. hard-ass bitch.
1: She is, but that's really the only personality trait that we know she has at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's looking for Derek. She And she doesn't know about Deaton, which she, is another thing that... She
0: doesn't know about Deaton. But what, what her panic leads them to is the discovery that Ennis is dead.
1: Yeah, because Kali... It's loses her ever living mind
0: yeah i would too
1: yeah it's, it's traumatic
0: it is so it's funny how panic can both lead us to find discovering things um maybe in the way of like allison and cora and also like lead you to disintegrating in the way that it does scott and derek um and yeah. it all it all plays out very interestingly in this episode
1: I find it interesting that the people who are able to regain a handle on their panic the quickest are the women.
0: Uh, it does not shock me. No, because that's all that's all we do. But it's truly a part. It's just like just girly things. Yeah, you're like that was atrocious. I will be fine in five minutes because I have no choice. Like three deep breaths ought to do it. Yeah, me today. <laughs> Literally, me all day. Blind on the L platform. Watching an altercation, I was like, I will be fine in three seconds. It, it is okay. Guys, what a day. Anyway, do you want to move into Q's and O's? Let's do questions, it. Questions, observations? Yeah. I have no questions. Do you have questions?
1: I do, actually. Hit me. Hmm. Um. These are kind of... I don't know. They're a little philosophical. But... um. And? I I think we already touched on my comment about Boyd um, because... I was wondering if he was reacting so strongly um, because Derek was his alpha or just because he's so full of uh, sadness in general. Not sure.
0: We did touch a little bit. Like I said, I think losing Erica was the worst thing that could happen to him. With Derek, he's lost touch with everything. Yes. Um, and then my
1: other question was... So at one point... Um, Styles is trying to get Danny to tell him why Ethan keeps looking at his phone mm-hmm. and uh, pastors him in a great little comedic sequence. Um, and eventually, Ethan does tell Danny what's going on. I mean, like in a guarded kind of way, but in a way that Styles would certainly know. Mm-hmm. And he also sees that Styles is looking at him. He knows that Styles is the one that's texting Danny, so he knows. That Styles would receive that information. And I'm wondering if you perceive that as kind of an inkling that they're starting to fall out of step with the pack?
0: Well, I think we see the biggest moment of them falling out of step with the Alphas in the next episode. Oh, for sure. I think this is a good starting point for why that would happen. But mostly, I don't think that Ethan gains or loses anything by telling them that Ennis made it out alive. Because he thinks... I think he thinks that Derek is dead. hmm And telling them that Ennis is alive is either going to give him in the upper hand and that the Alphas haven't lost anything, or let them know that, like... I mean, it's kind of neutral information.
1: It is. But if they're wondering, like, if one of them is dead and one of them is alive, that gives them an answer to that question. I don't know.
0: It's just yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, then that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's either neutral or it gives him the upper yeah. hand. I don't think there's any fault. And I don't think there's anything that's going to, going to like, um, sort of decrease his power in that moment.
1: So it's a win-win.
0: Yeah. That's what you're saying.
1: Okay. Um, a
0: win nothing like it's win, a wind
1: tie
0: win when scratch
1: um yeah. hmm yeah I think that's it for my for my questions cool want to hit me with some o's um just want to reiterate how insanely dumb the entire plan to go after Deucalion is because he just visited Derek and was like I am the demon wolf and like you know has eaten all of his other werewolves or something don't know why he thought that. Why? Well, don't know why Derek thought that would be a good idea. It's just stupid. Is that because Derek's stupid? Is it because the writers are stupid? Who's to say?
0: Probably both.
1: Ding. Por okay. No less does. True. Um. I love Allison's new bedroom.
0: Oh my gosh! This anthropology chic is so much better than the uh, like discount Pottery Barn of the last place.
1: Yes, I think it matches her new haircut. Weirdly enough. Yeah. New style, new hair, new me. No McMansion. No McMansion. Um, uh, the fact that Scott isn't letting himself heal because he thinks that Derek is dead and that it's his fault is just so heartbreaking.
0: Cause it's really not even just survivor survivor's guilt. It's like, this is so, so deeply personal to Scott. He really thinks that he is the reason it happened, even though he was nowhere near the fight where it occurred, but it was him going to DeKali and thinking he could do it on his own, you know? He's going mm-hmm. through every single decision in his brain. Yeah, Tragique.
1: It, it's so sad and especially because we're not seeing a lot of this in this particular season, but especially because Derek is in a way Scott's werewolf mentor. Scott loves Derek even though we're not Derek seeing a whole him. Derek gives him no
0: reason to.
1: Um yeah, so it's just it is tragic. Um and I love I love I love I love that lydia carries a sewing kit she is so practical
0: Ooh, one of my observations is that it's really hard to give stitches without a hook needle so i'm very impressed
1: also that needle was so thick yeah based on the
0: close you were not getting that through skin no it was disgusting i remember once in fourth grade for some reason we had like a unit on camping <laughs> <laughs> pure michigan i didn't I, was I don't know. I had to learn about camping, but we were. But my, my, I remember our student teacher being like, if you're ever in the woods and need to give somebody stitches, you need a hook needle and dental floss. And I remember being so grossed out by it that I still remember that <laughs> to this day. And now I'm somebody who likes camping, but I'm always like, hook needle, dental floss. <laughs> Got Crazy it.
1: the things that stay with you.
0: Crazy that I was told that as an mm-hmm. eight-year-old. <laughs> I mean, we were
1: also told to, like, stop, drop, and roll constantly. The threat of fire being imminent all the
0: time. And Not imminent living right next to the fire station, and that's why you hear the sirens. Pew, peu, pew, 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 pew. That was gross. Oh, another siren. siren. They heard us. They did. I think that's the cops. Oh, gross.
1: Um, Christian, what are some of your
0: observations? Um, mine are sort of just, like things that I liked I have nothing that's like astute mm-hmm. uh I loved I mentioned earlier I thought like all of Crystal Reed's stuff was really good in this episode um oh this I didn't like was Kali's feet on the wall disintegrating the concrete absolutely heinous as we know disgusted by feet that was egregious
1: <laughs> it's bad enough that we have had to watch several scenes of her just like walking around with her claw feet exposed and not even Mama, get a pedicure. Like, I guess that that's just a thing. If you're an alpha, if you want to have your claws out all the time, but one that just seems inconvenient. I like wearing shoes sometimes.
0: Me too. Um, completes my outfit. It was just grody. Yeah, it was nasty. But my last thing that I really liked was when Deucalion kisses Ennis on either cheek before killing him. It was such a good villain moment. It was so insidious, but also kind of like, I think Deucalion did love Ennis in his own special way. He just had to die in Deucalion's eyes. Yeah. It was good. It was good. I like that moment.
1: Fantastic. I mean, Deucalion is such a good villain.
0: So good. On par with Peter, I really do think. I would watch a spinoff of just <laughs> Deucalion and Peter, like, <laughs> trying to out-evil each other. Oh How God. good would it be?
1: MTV, please make that happen. Deucalion dies. <laughs> oh, yeah, at the end, at the very end. And he's reformed, too. You know what? A- a retconning is all
0: the rage nowadays. Truly.
1: Um, you know what we didn't talk about at all? Huh? Coach.
0: Oh, that was my last observation. Yeah. Everything about Coach in this episode was so good. The whistle, talking to Jared, poor Jared <laughs> who just has to puke. Uh, the whistle, fight with Styles, mm-hmm. which if I were like just any random person, if I was an extra in that <laughs> scene, I would have ruined every take just laughing. I
1: I did wonder as we were watching the episode, like. How many times? But then I was also that. thinking
0: about it how many takes that would take, how annoyed I would be by the whistle. Mm-hmm. I think five takes in, I'd be like, oh my God, everybody stop laughing. <laughs> it's it a was, small
1: bus. It's a stop small talking bus. <laughs>
0: oh, so much of this episode is gift. It's like some of Coach's best lines when he's like, somebody get a mop or towels or a new bus. He's. He is so funny. I'm kind of bummed that it
1: was not a Greenberg joke, but because we have to see Jared, that was impossible. Yeah. Um,
0: but I would have liked if he had like said Greenberg at one point in the episode, yeah. and we just don't know who on the bus is Greenberg.
1: That would have been fun.
0: Yeah. I wonder... I just I just know... Watch this, watching this episode, I was like, damn, Ornie Adams had so much fun filming this. Remember... Like,
1: I, I'm kind of thinking back to the uh, reunion special, which he was the best part of, I I do think, where he'd pretty, I'm pretty sure he said, like, he didn't read the scripts or he just like, read <laughs> his own lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like he probably would
0: just come in and be like, can I just blow the whistle and styles his face? And no, I and, don't even think he pitched that. I'm sure that's how the scene was read. Cause he said no. that he didn't come in an improv or anything. A oh, uh, bummer. I feel like he'd be good at it, but I'm sure. Um, are we ready to move into pack stats? Let's do it. Cool. Hit me. Uh,
1: okay. So we've got five eyes, four claws and only one shirt. I may have miscalculated because at one point, let's just call it two because Scott takes off his shirt in the bathroom. Um, and then for ads, questionable Apple ad because Styles is using an iPad, but we only see the Apple logo once. And like half of it, so unclear. Um, AT and T, Nokia, Nike again. Coach wearing a little Nike swoosh Uh shirt, and we have had three full sirens
0: and one little boop boop. Cool from outside. Yep, Uh, a a bump in uh, Tuesday night here in
1: Chicago. Wild
0: time. It is a party. Yeah, Chicago's been in a weird mood today. I can tell you that. (laughs) By Chicago, I mean me, but. the city didn't help.
1: No. For several months. Yeah. We've all just been in a You know, we don't have to talk about it because this is an episode about teen wolf and escapism.
0: True. Except everyone else is like, "I too have been in a weird mood." <laughs> Thank you. Um I guess like, "Oh, alpha of the week, who's your alpha of the week?" Oh, my alpha of the week is Allison. Oh, Allison, for sure. 100%. She, she does it. She's the best. Uh
1: conversely, my like on alpha of the week is like Chris because he was just like, "I'm not going to help you."
0: Yeah. Why? Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> he does. He has a really good redemption this, He yeah, does, he but in, in this episode. But yeah. yeah. No, Allison really does it. She comes through and she saves Scott and she is able to put aside her own panic and make shit happen as women do. Ding. Ding. I think that about wraps it up for this episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf. wolf um, If you guys like this episode, we hope you review us on iTunes um you can follow us on twitter at teenwolf underscore rewolf you can also follow us on on instagram at the same handle we're teenwolf rewolf on tumblr um from all of those places you can follow our personal twitters and i'm join our facebook group. yeah and as i mentioned at the beginning of this episode please join our facebook group it's where all of the cool kids are talking about teen wolf
1: oh yeah conversations galore it just started. Be it patient. It just started. Yeah, yeah. it'll happen.
0: <laughs> uh, but there, we are a, a really excited to uh, to connect with you guys in that way, just because it's a way better way to facilitate discussion. Um, other than that, we will be back next week with everyone's favorite episode of Teen Wolf Motel California. Hell yeah. I am not emotionally prepared, I don't think. No. No. Um other than that my name has been christian and my name continues to be julia good yeah (laughs) uh we hope you guys have a wolf of a week Um. Uh, woo